0: Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's word and his vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. I was talking to uh, Pastor AJ. Who is our youth pastor? And you can see how uh, youthful and energetic he is. And uh, he starts coming up with all these ideas for a, a message. And um, he was like, You know, we, we got to talk about blessings. We got to talk about blessings. And, uh, and, and so we ended up talking for, what, about an hour, right? And started kind of outlining some things for this next two weeks. Because next week I'm going to be gone too. And AJ is actually going to be preaching. And he's going to be preaching part two of this message. Uh, that he is developing now. And uh, it kind of goes off of what Pastor Paul was saying last week with the invitation, how everything should lead us to Jesus. Well, when you, when you come to Jesus, you're in the family, right? We talked about that. Um, you're his kid. I love blessing my kids, okay? But if I do it in a manner... Um, where sometimes my kids can be immature is that okay to say especially my four-year-old that one's okay to say right okay because my four-year-old knows that I love him but believes that the entire world revolves around him right is that that's an accurate statement Anybody with young kids, that's an accurate statement, right? Yes, the whole world revolves around them. You can do no right in their eyes unless it has to do with their feelings, their, their whatever. I mean, last night he came home from a barbecue. He's sitting on the couch with me and he's exhausted and he goes, looks at me and goes, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, okay. I keep just kind of doing what I'm doing. Dad, I'm hungry. Okay. Why are you being so grouchy, grouchy pants? Right, You're tired. I'm not tired. I'm hungry. Then he looks at me a couple seconds later and he just goes, aren't you going to give me something to eat? Dude, there's a fundamental difference between your mom and me. (laughs) I'll give you something to eat. I said, no, I'm not getting you something to eat. Go to bed. Anyway, so I want to bless him. I want to give him things. I believe that Jesus, that God wants to give you things. You have inherited things from him, okay? You're in his family. You are uh, kings and queens, princes, princesses. Not the spoiled type, but the good type, right? You, you are these things, and, and I believe that you have a kingdom of resources, of things at your disposal, and we're going to talk about some of this stuff, but there's a maturity and an immature way of receiving gifts, of receiving blessings. My kids sometimes receive in a very immature way. They get, and they keep getting, and they keep getting, and they just want to consume everything. And I, I, you know, I started looking around. I, sometimes I think this is an American thing. We just want to consume everything that we get our hands on. Everything. We just got to get it. And so Pastor AJ and I were talking and, and we started to kind of develop this series um, based kind of on the trail end of uh, what Pastor Paul was saying and just how to receive Blessings. I think we need to go through how to, how to check our hearts and receive blessings. And then Pastor AJ is going to go how to keep that, that river flowing. And so we call this series um, Chain Reaction. Chain Reaction. And it's still not full screen for some reason. Whatever. And so how many of you guys know what chain, a chain reaction is? It's like cause and effect, right? This atom splits, then this one splits, and this one causing this one, this one, and it just keeps going. This, this is, I, I believe that if we have the right attitude, we do the right things, we're obedient to the Lord, um, that there will be chain reactions in our lives. And, and I, wanna, I want a couple disclaimers. One, um, this is not a name it and claim it type service. This is not a um, get rich quick scheme. Christianity is the hard way, okay? Believing uh, and doing what you believe is the hard thing. This is the hard road to travel, people, okay? And so, um, but there are principles and there are things that we can do that are biblical that says, hey, do this and this will happen. And so I want to I go over that a little bit. And two, this is not a, uh, a giving message to increase giving in our church. It's not, that's not what it's about. This is about our hearts. Okay, and, and really understanding how to receive from the Lord. And so we're going to talk about some errors and different things that uh, we encounter. Uh, you know, I was looking at a couple studies as I was researching a bunch of stuff, and um, one of these questions popped up, and it's, how much do Americans need to be happy? That wasn't the, that wasn't the joke, I know, people started laughing, like, what? This is funny. Americans happy. And the response of the survey came across the board in all of uh, the cases, okay? And, and so they, they were going, how much do you need to be happy? And, um, and the interesting thing was this that they asked people who were making uh, around $20,000 a year or so. Is that how much do you really need to really feel blessed, to be happy? And they said, well, most people around that, that income range said, well, around 35000 would I think that I would be happy. And so they, they started surveying people that made $35,000 a year, or $35,000, not dollars. And... Stunningly enough, the results came back and the people who said $35,000 said, um, when they said, how much do you need to to have everything that you really need to be blessed, to be happy? How much do you need to make? And they said, well, after calculating everything, I need about $50,000. $50,000 a year would make me happy. And they said, okay. And so they went to the people that made $50,000 a year. And they said, hey, this group, how much do you need to be happy, to, be, to feel like you have everything that you need, to not be stressed out about money anymore? And they said, well, after calculating everything, we need around 70, 75 to really feel good a year. And you can imagine what happened next, right? They went to the people who made $75,000 a year. And those people, they said, well, you know, after working and working and working and seeing all this stuff, you know, we we really need about $100,000 a year to be happy. If we hit that $100,000 mark, man, that's going to be it. We're going to feel good about life. We're going to feel blessed. They went to the people that made $100,000, and you guys can imagine this where this is going, right? And the $100,000 people said 120, 130. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. And the interesting thing is this that the reality is, is that we have to ask this question when is enough enough? Ask that question to yourself When is enough enough for me? Now, I got to tell you, uh, years ago, this answer would have been a lot different than it is for me today. It really is. But when is enough enough? You guys ever think about that? You ever, you ever sit around just kind of going, okay, what do I need? What is it that I really need to feel like, man, I'm, I'm doing good in life? I feel blessed. I feel like I have it all. I feel like I have enough. Maybe, maybe you use the terminology, I feel like I'm winning. I feel like I won this game of life. You ever played a game of life and the object is to have the most money at the end, right? When is it going to feel like you won this game called life? I, I have a sneaking feeling that if you were to examine your lives right now, that you probably already have way more than enough. I know that's, that, all of a sudden it's like a little pit in the stomach and it just kind of feels like, where's this going? Well, let me just kind of prove this to you real quick because we're talking about a world global scale, not, not, not just American standards, not, not just Michigan standards. Because Michigan standards are different than California standards. California standards are different than Texas standards, right? They're just different. But let's just kind of talk about the whole world. How many of you, um, and you can participate by raising your hands, it's okay. How many of you think that you probably have not only enough food to eat today, but probably you can find food tomorrow without shopping? Good, okay, okay. How many of you say that, yeah, um, you know, I have more than enough uh, bedrooms in my house. I have, uh, how many of you have more than one bedroom in your house? Okay, okay. (sighs) How many of you have a toilet that flushes? Good. If not, come talk to me. We want to make sure you're good. Okay. Clothing. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. How many of you would say you have more than three outfits? It's funny, right? We laugh about this stuff. But on a world scale, we're talking about like work clothes, house clothes, and church clothes. That's it. But we have like Monday clothes, Monday afternoon clothes, Monday evening clothes, Monday breakfast clothes. We have uh, Tuesday clothes, Wednesday clothes, Thursday clothes. Man, some of you cannot do laundry for like two weeks. And not repeat an outfit. Some of you might have way too many clothes. Some of your closets might push over to your husband's side. (laughs) some of your closets might push over to your wife's side anybody got more than one pair of shoes okay okay we'll leave the clothing alone how many of you have a car for every person in the house Dad, which car can I take? What kind of question is that? Take your mom's car. More than enough. Can you say that with me? Just more than enough. God is my provider and I have more than enough. Enough. When we recognize this, when we understand it, when we believe it, when we start to embrace this concept, this idea of more than enough, then we will understand what blessing really is. We'll understand it. See, I, I know a lot about being selfish. I know a lot about being selfish because I, I, I grew up... Um, I told you, my mother was 14 when she had me, my father was 15, my father was in prison most of my life, um, and we, we, we didn't have a lot. How many of you have seen a 14 year old uh, pay a mortgage, a car payment, and take care of a baby? Not many of us, right? But this is the task my mother had as a single mom to take care of this kid here. Okay? And, and so you can imagine that. We were, man, we were hustling to get to, to, to eat, to do simple things, right? To buy clothing. People would give us bags of clothes and have to go through them. And sometimes, man, I was wearing outfits to school that really didn't correspond. The tops to the bottoms and stuff, right? They just didn't work, but it it wasn't a boss style back then. It was like, hey, I just need your body covered. Get out the door, get to school. We didn't have stuff for my, I had curly, believe it or not, I had curly hair, like really gorgeous curly hair. (laughs) Kids. I said, Dad, where'd your hair go? I said, well, when your first brother was born, part of it went there. This patch right here went there. And then so on and so on. Five kids later, it's gone. And so uh, we, we didn't have much. And I remember, I remember fighting for, like, I, I like the crust of pizza. Do you want to know why I like the crust of pizza? Because all the other kids wouldn't eat the crust. And I was a big dude. Like, I wasn't a small kid, right? And so I'd be like, yeah, I'll eat that crust. I, I, I had a knack for, for getting the things and eating the things that nobody else wanted. A box of macaroni and cheese. Like, in my house, a box of macaroni and cheese goes for, like, one kid. My 16-year-old would be like, yeah, I'm making a box of mac and cheese. I'd be like, oh, who's that for? Me. Okay, because in my day, a box of mac and cheese would feed the whole family. Be like, yep, a little bit here, a little bit there. I remember eating and being hungry afterwards. You know, I remember just, and it, and it, and it triggers something in your mind growing up like that. You, you, you want to preserve everything. You want to just hold on to everything that you get. My life revolved around money, material things. Getting what my friends had, getting to a status, getting to a, a, a goal. My whole life revolved around this. I put my hope in, I found security in, in things, and in money, in my bank account, rather than acknowledging that God is my provider. And looking back, this is the crazy thing, looking back on, on all of the things. I lived in America, in Lansing, Michigan. It's a capital city. I found out going to school and stuff like that, it looks really bad on a capital city if they let people starve, so they don't. So they have programs right along the capital cities. Looking back, I had way more than enough. So, you know, I get with my wife, and my wife is very generous. And uh, way more generous than I like She'd be like, oh, we, we got to give to them. would be like, no, we don't. No, we don't. I got to feed you guys. I don't got to feed that family and that family and that family and that family and that family. Nope. You want to give? Good. I don't get a job. You give to them. I was like mean about it. I was stingy. And so I had, to, I had to pray. I really did. I had to pray through this and go, okay, Lord, I need to be more generous. And that's a dangerous prayer, Right? I mean, and, and for me, it just kind of started, like, I, I realized that I had to, I had to start tipping more, okay? I, I, just, just in general, like, everything that I had to do, I had to up my game, because I had to, I had to give more of myself. So I did, I started tipping more, and, and what, the standard is, what, 18%, and, and my standard then became 20%, 20, 25%. And here's the thing, I built that into my lifestyle. I built that into my lifestyle, meaning that if I didn't have enough to tip, then I didn't have enough to go out and eat. See, giving became just as important to me as getting. Look at Acts 20, 35. It says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you believe that? You ever, you ever heard the cliche, you can't outgive God? Christians say this all the time. They're like, I can't, I can't outgive God. And I just look at them and go, Have you tried though? Have you tried? This is a fair question. Let me show you what happens when your attitude towards blessings begin to change, towards giving begins to change. So why do we even get blessed? Why do we get blessed? If you look at 2 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14, it says this, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your Uh, contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace uh, of God upon you. Now, that's pretty wordy. So if you look like in the New Living Translation, I believe it says this, that uh, because of the service by which you have provided or, or proved yourselves, men will praise God for your generosity for your generosity because of your generosity people aren't going to praise you people aren't going to come to you and go oh man you're so good they're going to start looking at god because of your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else when is the last time somebody worshiped god because you were so godlike and generous anybody journal you should go through your journals and try to see, because this, this should be a goal in your life. This should be a goal in your life, that because of my generosity, people are worshiping God. Think about that. And if you don't have that, don't worry, nobody's going to hell like right now, and we're not burning up, and it's, it's not that dead that, that, that deep. But it's a heart check, and we can kind of start to re-engage and recalibrate the direction of our hearts. Because I, I think that over this last year and a half, we all need kind of a heart check, right? I mean, we, 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 I think we've all gotten a little more uh, selfish because we, we, we don't go outside as much. When we look in the mirror, it's just me. We can admit that it's okay. But now that you know it, start to shift it. And I think that one of the goals that we really have is that, man, people are worshiping God because of my generosity. That's a cool thing. I remember one time my wife and I, we gave a car to a single mom. And I believe we only had one car, two cars. We had a van, minivan and a car. And that car was my baby, man. And God just broke our hearts and said, no, you need to give this to her. And she started going to church. Man, that's just, that's a cool thing. When's the last time your generosity led people to God? Yeah, let me, Let's go over some wrong attitudes real quick. I was doing some research and researching a couple of different things, and um, Craig Urshel really outlined a couple wrong attitudes. And I thought, man, these are really good. And so I just want to kind of go over these with you real quick. Wrong attitudes towards blessings. Number one. Let's see here. Some people ignore God's blessings. Some people completely just ignore them. Like it doesn't happen. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they think that they, they're doing it, okay? Or, or if they just, you know, I mean, I, it's got to be one of two reasons in my mind. One would be that they don't know God. So, of course, they're going to ignore God's blessings, right? But let's be for real. As believers, I have seen a lot of people who ignore God's blessings. Just ignore it. I don't know if they just believe that they're doing it themselves and they're, they're manufacturing all of this. Whatever this is in your world, they just don't acknowledge them. They'll be very, very blessed, and yet they're whining and complaining about stuff. You, you've never met people like that. Right? You know what I call those people? Some people that like into faith, but they complain about everything? Little Eeyores, right? They got like that Eeyore faith. They'd be like, oh. <sighs> Can't believe this. My air conditioner broke. And the guy can't come until next week. But you have two other units. Like which room is the air conditioner broken in In my fifth bedroom? The one you don't go in? Yeah, it's it's just a pain. And I'm really not gonna go in there now, it's way too hot. Like wow. Man, just whining. Right? Or, or the luxury car is in the shop again. Think about that. My Mercedes broke down. Man, that can't happen. Because you know if you have a Mercedes and it breaks down, you're gonna probably get a loaner, but I'm just saying. We do, we complain. It's kind of like my kids. They look in the fridge and it has food in it and they go, man, there's nothing to eat. Slam. Like what? <laughs> like, my 19 year old man, he's, he, he's been, he's been around the block a couple times now. And so he's, uh, he's getting a little more mature. And so one of my kids said this, there's nothing to eat, dad. And then he looked at him and said, I don't know, man, I can look in this thing and find about five or six different meals. I was like, go ahead, boy. Go ahead and cook. That's what I meant. Go ahead and cook. It's your turn. But we do. When we do that, do you know that we are ignoring the blessings of God, right? That's what we're doing. When we're complaining about the things that, that we don't have, we're, we're, we're ignoring the, the, the things that God has already given us. And like, like, like when I look back at my youth growing up, I really did have more than enough. I believe that you have more than enough. I think we just proved it. It's a mindset switch. It's a heart change. Another, another uh, wrong uh, idea is this. Some apologize for God's blessing. I thought this one was really good. And, and I, I totally get this one because I think I fall into this one sometimes. You know? You, 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 people come up to you and go, man, you're doing really well. People that I grew up with, like, man, look at this, man, you got a, a house with a TV and stuff, man, that's cool. And look at all these cars, you're doing good. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, this house, I got a really good deal on it. Like, I wouldn't have been able to get it had I not got a good deal. Man, you're living out in Grand Ledge now, man, that's, whoo. that's up there on Beachfield. Yes, it is. Yes, it is a long way from Beachview. <laughs> Purposely. Yeah, but you ever, you ever find people, they get embarrassed about the things that they have? Let me ask you this. What other area in your life do you apologize for things other than in the material sense? Oh, man, that's a nice TV. Man, listen, I got that thing on sale. What if somebody came up to me and was like, hey, Pastor Anthony, you and Christina got a good marriage. I'd be like, no, man, I'm sorry. We really don't. Let me tell you about this time and this time and this time. And I'm sorry. It looks like that. We don't do that in any other job, like any other place in our life. Man, your kids look like they're doing really good, man. No, they ain't. Let me tell you about them. We don't do that. Then why do we do it here? Why are we so ashamed of the blessings, especially material blessings, that God has given us? Do you know, God, God is touching people in this room. And he's touching people at different levels. This is the one thing that you need to understand. Your journey is your journey. Your journey cannot be measured on the person next to you. Because that's their journey. Their story is their story. You can't have their story. T.D. Jakes used to say, and I love the way he said, I can't say it like him, or else I would. I would totally say it like him, and I'd be preaching like him, and I'd be, you know, but I can't, so I won't. And and so people would come up to him and be like, hey, T.D. Jakes, pray for me. Pray that, that I get your anointing. And he said, okay. And he prayed for this dude. Slapped his hand on his forehead. He said, I pray your mama gets sick. I pray your lights get turned off. I pray your money runs out. He's like, what, what, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. He goes, you don't want my anointing because it's mine. I had to go through some, some things. It's his story. You have your own. So you can't measure yours by what your neighbor has. So stop apologizing when God blesses you. Stand up and give credit to where credit is due. Right? Give credit where credit is due. Stop apologizing for God for blessing you. Some of you have wealth. Now we got to start adjusting our heart to what it is that God has given us so that we can do the right things with it. But don't be embarrassed by the blessings of God. And then number three is this. Some hoard God's blessings. And I like to think of it like some cons- uh, we just consume everything that we get. We just consume it. Let me tell you, the average American, I think the last time I, I checked, spent like uh, $101 um, or so, 1170 or something like that, Uh, for every hundred dollars they make just let that kind of sink in for a second right that's not good math somebody asked me say how do you spell arithmetic and I was like M-A-T-H I don't even know what arithmetic is but we consume so much And we just got to reel it in, people, and start to check our hearts and go, okay, what is it that I have? I'm telling you, when we start to live our life according to Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and we start to really believe that to give is, is more blessed. I love that. I love the English in that, more blessed. I don't even know if that's correct English, but it doesn't matter. It's in the Bible, so it's right. More blessed than to receive. I feel happier when I give than I do when I receive. See, when we can start to live and and click that switch, then we'll start to understand that, that when we base our life off of our giving, off of our generosity, off of this belief that we're blessed more to give than to receive, then we start to align our lives accordingly. But if we continually consume everything that we get, then we will always have this excuse. Well, I can't give because I'm broke. I don't have enough. I don't have enough to give. Oh, that person needs help? Oh, that's too bad. I wish I could help you. But I have my own bills. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's just talk about that today. Let me, and I, I need to bring up one point real quick. What time is it? Let me make sure. And I'll make this, this quick. But I have to bring up one point because we are talking about giving, right? And, and, and this, is, this is just kind of a sticky point. So let me, let me just put this on there. Look at this. Tithing is not giving, Okay, I just, I just have to say that. I have to put that out there, and you're like, well, because I, I hear a lot of, of people say things like, uh, well, I give, I, you know, or I tithe, they, they would say. They say, I tithe. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I bought such and such for the church, and I put it towards this, and I put it towards that, I put it towards this. Let me just tell you, tithing is not giving, okay? A tithe is very specific in the Bible. Okay, look at uh, Leviticus twenty-seven thirty. It says this: a tithe of everything from the land, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Scripture says this: that tithe, which comes from the Hebrew word, uh, something like mazer or something like that, right? It means a tip so it actually means a tenth a tenth a tenth of how much do you guys know the answer to that a tenth of how much everything everything a tenth of everything and it belongs to who god okay and so here's the interesting thing is that when we take those things We're taking them from God. When we start to redirect it, all we're doing is just returning to God what is God's. That's it. That's what a tithe is. Okay? It's returning to him what is his. Bring And and it's, and it's interesting because Scripture also says this. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse would be the church. Okay? And so... It doesn't say give it back to uh, the Lord. Go make sure that you give it to uh, such and such foundation or whatever. No, no. All of that foundational stuff and all those things you want to give to, that is giving. That is not the tithe. The tithe is your 10% that you are giving to the Lord. And Jesus even uh, corresponds with this. He, He even believes in the tithe and brings it into the New Testament. And I know that we talk about um, a lot of people say, well, it switches in the New Testament, you know, in the Old Testament, it's the law and it breaks the law and, he, uh, and it's all about the heart condition. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with that, which to me, it translates this, because I believe that my God does not change, right? We say this, right? He was the same yesterday as he is today, as he is, okay, good, all right, good, all right, tomorrow, right? And so all of these things, they do not contradict each other. They, they correspond. And so when we look in the New Testament, like how we're supposed to tithe today, I really do believe that um, it, it is an investment into us. And, and the tithe, the 10%, that's the beginners. That's like the, that's like the starting line. That's the beginning point. Okay? He's saying, hey, this is your beginning point. As you grow as a believer, as you become a percentage giver, the percentage should start ticking up. I told my wife one time, I said, you know what? I would love to live off of only 30% of what I make and give away 70. That's a goal in my life. I'm not there. I mean, I feel like I'm there because I have five kids and I feel like I'm giving somebody something, right? But that's a whole nother, anyways, But we have to understand that and, and, and understand how, how that works. When we're talking about the heart, I believe that we start at 10%. As our heart grows with intimacy towards God, our, our percentage should begin to change. I mean, if we're, I believe to me, it's a, it's a measuring point. If I'm giving the same percentage as I was giving 20 years ago, in business school, I'd call that a bad investment. I would, because here's the, here's the thing. We, we know that the foundational things are there, that as we give, we receive. Right? And so the more we give, the more we receive. That's just a, a common, commonality throughout the Bible. It's a conditioned statement. Anyways, I just wanted to kind of touch on that because I believe that this next part is the part where it becomes fun, where it becomes really fun, that we're not just following laws and rules, but now we're starting to follow our hearts because after we get the 10% out of the way, after we, whatever percentage you're at to give back to God, after we get that out of the way, we get to be givers, and we get to be excited about that. This is where your life begins to radically change change let's talk about this for a second the bible instructs us that the way that we're supposed to receive or to, to be a giver to, to bless others is this we are to give joyfully that's my attitude that's my, the, the correct attitude when I give and now I'm talking about giving after all of the law stuff this is the heart thing. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a What? I believe this is the difference between immaturity and maturity. Immature people always want to receive. Mature people in the Lord, they love to give. When I was a kid, man, I was immature. I used to love Christmas. How many of you as kids loved Christmas? How many of you had the, 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 were told that Santa Claus would, would come down and Hook up your gifts. And so because of this, uh, you got excited and would have to go potty like five times during the night just so you could walk past a tree. Is he here? I mean, like I used to, I used to put out cookies and stuff and milk. i be like, did he eat it yet? Did he eat it? Listen for the roof. I'd be Like, man, he can't land quietly. I know he's going to be up there. Did he bring my, my Nintendo? Atari? I don't know, what is it now? PlayStation 5? Did he, believe, did, did he bring me my Vision? Who, who knows about the ColecoVision? Okay, there we go. We got some. But now as a more mature adult, do you know what I get excited for now? I get excited when I, when I get my kids' gifts. I get excited about that. I get excited when I give uh, people that I don't even know gifts. When we get lists from the angel tree and I get everything that's on the list, the right size, the right color, the right everything, and I go, man, this is so exciting. I can't wait for them to open it. I'm more excited now about Christmas than I was then. It's a crazy thing. I got a friend during the pandemic, uh, had a birthday, okay, during the shutdown and everything. And, and me and my friend, we're pretty competitive, okay? Like, we are competitive. Well, how competitive are you? I'll tell you, right? So his birthday comes, and uh, we're like competitive gift-giving. Anybody have friends like that? Right? I'm telling you, everything is, co- is a competition. So we're like competitive gift-giving, right? And so his birthday comes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got him. I got him good, right? Like, he's going to love this. He's going to fall out of his chair and just freak out. I ain't going to tell you what I got him, but I got him something cool. Right? I mean, I mean we, we do research, okay? We're like, we're, we're, we're scoping each other's houses out. Like, what does he not have? Like, it's deep, Okay? Go looking through his drawers be like he doesn't have any of these shirts got you taking little notes and so all year we collect info like this right and so uh so i i got him something i'm like man i'm so excited about this. this is gonna be this is gonna be so cool and uh and i call him i say hey i gotta run to the store real quick i'm gonna be over he says okay and uh and i'm in the store and and i get a phone call he says hey I'm by your house. I'm just going to stop by the store. We'll meet in the parking lot. Okay, cool. You know, because it's a pandemic. It was shut down, so we met in the parking lot. And, uh, and so I get there, and, I, and, and he gets there, and um, I pull out my gifts. I'm like, yeah, look. Open that. He was like, wait. <laughs> this one's for you. I was like, "What? It's your birthday." He goes, "I know. I know, but this one's for you." I was like, "No you didn't, man. You just threw me off my game. How do you outgive on your birthday? Isn't that that's not American?" <laughs> I'm like, "What is going on?" And I opened this thing and it was crazy because he did. He went so above and beyond. It was it was, man, And and when I opened this gift and I seen the joy on his face, he got more joy giving than receiving. This was the Bible being played out in my life. It's a crazy thing. Number two, the Bible says this, that uh, we are to give extravagantly. We're to give extravagantly. Are you blessed by God so much that you want and desire to give extravagantly? Every now and then, just go crazy and give in such a way that it blows people's minds. And people might say, well, that was irresponsible. I can't believe you did that. I mean, that's, to me, that's kind of like stupid generosity, right? That's what this one woman did in scripture. Most likely, she was probably a prostitute. Um, Not that I'm, you know, starting rumors about her, but it's probably what she was. It's a real job thing. And she was forgiven by Jesus. And when she was uh, in his presence, she lost control. She gave the most irresponsible, generous gift that you could ever imagine. Mark 14, three through five says this. Oh, what'd I do with my water? This is our illustration for today. It says, a woman came with an alabaster jar. I didn't have an alabaster jar, but I have a Aquafina container, okay? An alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. Made of pure nard. This is made of pure clear plastic. I don't even know if we have nard today. She broke the jar, smashed it on the ground. If this was real nard, it would broke. And poured the perfume all over the head of Christ. All over his head. And some of those present were saying um, to one another... Why, 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 why is she wasting all of this perfume? This is such a waste. It it could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Let me just give you an example. We talked about like how much is enough for people. Could you imagine sticking your year's wages into a bottle like this? Think about it. What you make in a year, you shove it in there. And you just give it away. Some of you would probably be thinking the same thing like, hey, lady, listen, this is what you need to do. Because we got some uh, analytical people in the crowd, right? And we got, hey, lady, let me tell you just, no, no, just chill out for a second. I'm going to help you out. You want to dab on Jesus and then go sell the rest and upgrade your home, get some food. Because let me tell you what everything is. What she did. In today's language, she would have cashed out her 401k. She would have uh, taken the equity in her house. Sold her home. She would have used the money to buy breakfast the next day. That's what we're talking about. That's how extravagant this thing was. And she pours it all over him, a year's wages. and, And Jesus looked at everybody, and this is kind of what he said. He said, do you guys realize you missed the point? You missed the whole point. What she did is one of the most beautiful acts ever done, ever done. And it will be told about her for generations to come. How many of you know that Jesus was right? Generations to come, here I am telling you. Sometimes you just give like that because that's the kind of way that God gave to us, isn't it? Didn't he give everything to us? You just you just give extravagantly. I know that people are worried about budgets and all that stuff. And, and, and here, this is the thing that I get worried about. Because this is a real heart check. Because I don't think that we can, I don't think that any of us in this room have ever gotten close to trying to outgive God. Right? I don't think any of us have gotten close to try to give more than we receive. Even. Okay? This is, this is where I have some some issue. Is that when... When you, uh, re, you, know, you get something, you're blessed, and, and we don't open it up and, and allow it to flow through us, to build a kingdom, To if we don't have any of this stuff in mind and we just consume it. I mean, I remember, um, I've been in the church game for a long time, so I've seen, I've seen the craziest things. I've seen people come to church, ask for money, and then post on Facebook them eating out. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? That's, that's, like, that's irritating. But I had to give it up. I was like, you know what? That's not my job. I don't care. I don't care what they do with the blessings that they get. My job is simply to give. To give cheerfully, joyfully. To give uh, extravagantly. That's my job. It, it's not to criticize what that gift is going towards or, or any of that. Because at the end of the day, that's between them and God. Because it's all His, anyways. And number three is this: we are to give sacrificially, sacrificially, joyfully, extravagantly, and sacrificially. This is—I think—this is where it becomes uh, nerve-wracking for us as as believers to try to delve into this sacrificial giving kind of thing. To give in such a way that you are not giving out of what's left over, but you are giving out of something that you wanted, something that you needed. You give in such a way that you, you begin to feel it, that it cost you something. It cost you something. That's the way that this one little poor widow gave in scripture. She goes up to the altar and she pulls out a penny and lays it on the altar. True story, true fact. Did you guys know that uh, poor people percentagely, and if you go by percentages, all things equal, give more than rich people? We're talking about percentages. Okay? Did you know that? Poor people give more than wealthy people. I I find that crazy to me. I mean, just 30%. If you make a dollar and you give 30%, that's 30 cents, right? If you make $100,000 and you give 30%, that's $30,000, right? Who has more to live off of? 70 cents is not more than $70,000, right? And we just think about this stuff. I've watched people do the right things up until the point that they make a certain amount of money and then they they clamp on. Anyways, back to this story. Mark 12, 43 through 44. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others because all these other people, they're sitting there, wealthy people, looking at her and going, I can't believe you gave. That's so disrespectful to give a penny. Go back out there and work some more and bring it back in. I've given all this. And he says, man, again, Jesus looks and said, you missed the point of this moment. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Every single thing. See, it's it's. I think, you know, in my mind, my my kind of uh, business sense comes in and I go, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't give everything. That's crazy. But then I realize that I'm not teaching a business class that God's economics don't add up like mine do. Okay. That the reality is, is this, that God is our provider. Isn't that what we said in the beginning? God is our provider. He blessed us with more than enough. I am more blessed when I give than when I receive. And I believe that there are people that want to start feeling that way. Not just just doing, but feeling that way. And and to feel it, here's what I, I think that we have to do. We have to begin to... It has to cost us something. It has to leave a mark. I want you to think about for a second, and I'm going to close. I want you to think about just for a second. How, how do you love to give? Because I, I think that we all give differently, okay? Some, some like to give to people who are in need. Some like to give to people uh, to give towards a project, Some to strangers, others to people that they know. Some like to give of their time. Some of you uh, love to give money because you have more than enough and you're you're good at it. And you love to do it and it brings great joy to people. Maybe, you know, I've seen people that love to paint pictures and they, they give pictures away. And that brings you joy. Others of you, you can do acts of service. You can mow the lawn and and, and you love mowing the lawns. Think about how you love to give. What is your natural inclination and how you love to give? Now, here's what I want you to do. And this is a challenge. I want you to give in the exact opposite way this week. Give in the exact opposite way that, that, that you don't love to give. So, I mean, think about it. It's, it's easier for me at this stage of life to write a check to somebody and say, here, I love to bless you. Here you go. Than it is to give a half day uh, of time. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Like your time is just like your most valuable asset. Okay? And, and, but what I'm telling you is that if, if your normal inclination is just to write that check to somebody, stop and, and begin to give of your time for this week. Because that is going to stretch you. That is going to cost you something. I've seen it a lot of times in my own life when I've given of my time. Instead of a half day, maybe a full day. And, and I start to realize, man, this, is, this feels really good. This feels really good. This is what he's talking about, about being a joyful giver. God is your provider. You have more than enough. And I think how it would break the heart of God when we don't give joyfully, when we don't give extravagantly, when we don't give uh, sacrificially, when, when God has blessed us so much with so much. So I want to pray right now, if we can just bow our heads and close our eyes. I pray that we become a church full of Christ followers that are so radically generous that people look at you and they begin to praise God in heaven, because you have been such a blessing to so many people. So dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you make us as individuals, make us as a church. Make us more like you. Make us big givers, handling the responsibility of all the wealth that, that you've placed in us, in our care. God, I pray that you would change our hearts. Those of you today that would say, you know what, God's, God's all over me on this, you know, I'm in. This is the, I've been feeling this. I want to be more generous. You may be incredibly generous now, and you're just saying, you know what? I just want to be more generous. If that's you in this place saying, hey, I want to be more generous, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to acknowledge you and just pray with you. Amen. 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 God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would increase the blessing so much upon your people that we are compelled to give, to give and give and give and give and give, give, Lord. And God, I pray for those that who, who, who are not as blessed materially and not blessed financially that they would Give even bigger. Give. Give it away so they can feel it. Whether it's a penny of their money or a day of their time, God, I pray they would feel the joy of giving sacrificially. And I pray that you would compel us to trust you, to recognize just how blessed we really are. Pray that we become wise stewards, honoring you. Honoring your blessings upon our lives. Honoring you as provider. And that God, the world, would look at your people and begin to praise you. Because your people have been generous, Lord. Before I wrap up, I want to, I just want to talk about God and his sacrifice and what he did for just a second. If you're online today, if you're here today, I want to just remind you that my Bible says this, that God so loved the world that he gave. And What did he give? He gave his son. His son, that's how much he loved you. That he gave his child, his only son, who was without sin, holy and perfect, and died on a cross, gave his life, shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we couldn't be changed, or so that we could be changed, so that we could be different, so that we can belong to the family of God. Scripture says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? That means that no matter what you have done, no matter how bad you've been, no matter how far from God you feel in this moment, all of your sins will be forgiven. As you call on the name of Jesus, you become one of his children and he becomes your savior he becomes your lord let me just tell you very very plainly that i think in our our country there's so many people who pray some kind of little sinner's prayer and go okay i did that i checked the box i'm going to heaven So i think jesus would look at us and say you missed the point entirely i question if you really even gave your heart to me so what does it mean for jesus to be lord of our lives well he gave his life for us and and our our only responsible response is to give our lives back to him I think it means more than than any of us could ever comprehend that means all of us that, that that means everything every part of us not the excess not the extra not what's left over not what's comfortable that means all of us every bit of us belongs to him all of our dreams our hurts our fears our hopes our resources our time it's all his So Jesus, would you be our savior in this place? Would you forgive us? Would you make us yours? We want to give our whole life completely and entirely to you. So at this moment, I just want to pray as a church. You can repeat it after me, you can just accept this prayer, you can just open up your heart and pray along in your head if you want to, but as I pray, just make this prayer yours. Heavenly Father, save me, forgive me of my sins, make me new. I believe you died for me so that I can live for you. Thank you for your life, now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.